Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you. If you're wondering why I changed clothes, I figured I was already sweating with nervousness. I should just sweat comfortably. And so here we are. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you guys today about this passage, and it, it pertains to seniors very well, but it, it really goes to the whole church, as most of all scripture does. So I hope today that it's not so much a how did he do or, or how did it make me feel or anything. It's you getting into this with me, kind of like a Bible study where we are seeing what God is saying to us through this scripture. So let's, let's go ahead and pray and we'll dive right into it. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are and for your word and how good you are, Lord. It is only by your mercies that we are here today and that I am able to come up here. Um, and I pray you would humble me as you have uh, to bring your word forward in a, in a, in a way that is true and, and glorifies you only. I thank you for the, the students here today and the choir and just the wonderful ministry opportunities you've given us at House of Prayer. I pray now that you would speak through your word and, and through me and you would allow your children to hear what it is you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. And if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably read, or like, even if you haven't been in the church, you've probably read Romans chapter 12 before. These specific verses are very, they're wonderful. They're really great verses. They're very, very challenging. And it's, it's very challenging too for you to hear them probably because as it's challenging for me to say them to you and I will be held accountable one day for the things I'm about to say. That's why I'm more nervous about saying the right things to the Lord than I am impressing or coming off clearly to y'all. It's, it's just one of the things God does through his words. He convicts people and, and keeps them low and I praise him for that. Uh, but I hope that as you hear it, you find that sense of responsibility in you as well because it is what the Lord would have you do, not just what the church would. Um, and that is a big part of this passage uh, is what the Lord would have you do. So here it is, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is, is going to convey a whole lot to us here, and one of the things he does first, and we're just going to walk through it, and then we're going to go through the scripture together, is he says, I appeal to you, therefore, he ties all the other 11 chapters before chapter 12 to this one, and what he's saying. He's got a lot of different motivations. I'm just going to hit on a couple, um, but one of them is everything that happened in chapters 1 to 11. I appeal to you, therefore, to appeal to someone is to plead your case. He is about to tell you why he's going to tell you. He's already told us why in the past 11. He is about to tell us to give our bodies to God because of everything that I've said. So first, I'm just going to give you a brief summary of what was going on before this in the book of Romans and specifically the Roman church. So here's kind of what goes on, if I can find my notes, there we go. Uh, Emperor Claudius had kicked the Jewish people out of Rome, 
and some odd years later they were able to come back, but when they came back, these religious Jewish people found that there were Jesus followers in the church that were not holding to their statutes, their rules, the laws of Moses, and there was division in the church about this, among other things. Uh, and Paul writes to them, um, so that's what's going on in there. And he goes over a whole bunch of stuff in a few chapters, so I'll just kind of give you a few. Most of it to point to one thing, and that is Paul's appeal of why you should give your life to Christ, why you should present your body as a living sacrifice. And it goes a bit deeper than your salvation. It goes to this thing that is so beautiful. It's your salvation and that Jesus is your Lord. And we mix that up a lot as Christians. We love him for his salvation. We're about it all day long, but as soon as we have to do something in obedience, it's a whole nother ballgame. Lord, thank you for saving me. And I'm counting on you to do that later, but right now this is my life. You're not my Lord, you're my savior. And that's not how Jesus works. And, and if you're living that way right now, he, he'll bring it. You're gonna notice some things in your life and he's gonna convict and he'll push you in that way if you have a faith in him. And we wanna be after that. So what's going on with this group is they're in there and they think that they need to hold to these laws and these rules, and you know, fairly good reasons. They're not putting it on Jesus. And Paul tells them in chapter 12, that's where it has to go. And through the, all the chapters, I'll give you this brief synopsis. There's so many beautiful things he does. He goes back uh, to the story of Abraham and connects this new family in Jesus over the old family, the covenant with Abraham, still holding that covenant. He's a God who keeps the covenant. He talks about God's righteousness, how just God is, Jesus' resurrection. He talks about how humanity is trapped and guilty in sin, and those people in the law need, needed a savior. And then he goes on. He talks about how God has created a new humanity. This is in those first 11 chapters. Through Jesus and by his spirit, there's this new humanity. And it talks about why the law was given, why Jesus brought that forward. It was to show among a number of things so they could live before the Lord, but it was also to show them that they needed a savior. You could never uphold all of these different laws. You couldn't do it. And you can't even do it um, when you were trying really hard. And isn't that how we spend a lot of our relationship with Jesus? We make it a performance-based uh, thing. It's I do these different things. I, I'm encouraged to get in the word and to pray and to go to church and all these things. But most of the time I do it because I, I'm obligated. I do it out of duty. We, and that, I might be speaking for you, um, and I'm mostly just speaking in whatever person that would be. I never memorize the first, second, or third persons. But the point is, it's just me. It's just me talking. We'll get there. Uh, the point is that you don't want to live that relationship with God where you're performing for him. Your performance doesn't change his love for you and it doesn't change what he did on the cross through Jesus Christ. And we have got to get that right if we're ever going to move forward as a society, as a church, as people of God. Um, and it's very important for a number of reasons. But here's what, here's what he says in Matthew uh, when he's summing up these laws and these prophets for the, the people in Rome. He says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything that they were pushing for to uphold in that law hangs on this, loving God and loving others. And we mix that up a lot. We 
stop loving certain people when they're not performing the way we think they should for Jesus, other people who we would say are believers. And we, and we, we almost tear ourselves down in this when we're trying to perform for God. And I know there's, at the end of this, I'm gonna bring it all back to what we need to do in these steps, but we don't do it out of performing, do it out of a love and obedience to God because of what he's done for you, and that's what Paul is getting at here. So he goes over all these great things. God used the rejection of the Jews in different times, the Jews that rejected him and wouldn't believe in Christ for further his kingdom. And one day, Jesus is gonna be acknowledged by his own people. We don't exactly know entirely how. We have good ideas of it. And then in 12 through 6, he starts going on that it is this gospel of Jesus Christ, of what he's done for you and me, that is going to unify the church of Rome. And it is also going to unify every church from there on after, including the house of prayer. Uh, And students that are going away, it is what's going to unify you in any ministry you're going to do, in any church you might go to from here, in any missions trip you might partake of. If the gospel's not front and center, it's not worth it. It's not going to thrive. It's going to fail because God works through the gospel. I tremble to think of what's going to happen to just various places, churches that think that they're following the Lord, but they're doing it out of performance. And I can't name any off the top of my head. I think a lot of people talk in that way. It's like, oh, you know, they, them. But the point is that we know that they're there and we know that sometimes we do the same thing. We try to perform for God and that's not what he wants from you. He wants your obedience. He wants that. So I'll sum up some of the first chapters here. It says some of the things that Paul is gonna appeal to them with. We're now free from the penalty of sin with Christ as our savior. We're free from the power of sin. It doesn't have complete control of our lives anymore. You are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are sons and daughters by adoption. You are now eternally linked with Christ in this new family because there's no condemnation. There's no no condemnation. Some of these should sound familiar because they're coming from those earlier chapters. He has uh, separated you, or nothing can separate you. He separated you from the world, but nothing can now separate you from the love of Christ. You have been chosen by him before the foundations of the world. So many wonderful things happen. So Paul appeals to them on the grounds of all these other things that God has done through his son, Jesus. And he also does this, which is, is the most beautiful thing. In Romans 11, uh, just before the beginning of the chapter, chapter 12, verses 33 through 36, he says this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? And then 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul appeals to the church of Rome, the Christians there and to you and me, based on that everything is the Lord's already. You and I are the Lord's, whether you're, whether you're a son, a daughter, or an enemy of him, you still belong to the Lord in different senses and different meanings, and one day we're gonna be held accountable for our actions here on the world and what we did and what we believed and what we held true to. And the big, big difference for us has to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That has gotta be your motivation, your driving force, what is taking you to the throne of God. And without that gospel, you can't approach God. You have to have that front and center in your life. And, and we're gonna get into Romans and he's gonna describe that for us. So check this out. Here it is in, in Romans chapter 12, verse one. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. This is how Paul makes this appeal to them 
only because God was merciful towards Paul. And this is how you and I, I pray, are here today because God has been merciful towards you and you are now in a relationship with him, a right standing, a new family because of Jesus Christ. It's so amazing that the only way to, that we're, we're God's in one way, but the only way to really get to God is through Jesus Christ and he is the one who made that. And that just proves how from him and through him and to him are all things. So you have a choice to make in how you're going to live your life. Is it gonna be in defiance of God? Is it gonna be performing for God or is it gonna be in a faith in God and that faith drives those good works you do, not you're working to perform and be seen or God owes you something, but that you're being driven by your faith for the Lord and that he even made possible. So here it says, brothers, and when Paul says brothers, I can't help but wonder if he's just, thinking, and, and maybe I'm reading a little too far into the word brothers, but I can't help but wonder if Paul's thinking of the mercies God had shown him and how he held to the same law that some of them were holding to and how he held to it better than anybody. He was one of the chiefs. He was destroying the Christians. He was doing all these crazy things and the Lord appealed before him through his mercies and brought him into right standing with him. And I can't help but wonder if that's what Paul's getting at. I appeal to you on all these different things, but also because I've been there and I've been the worst of it. I'm the chief of sinners and God had mercy on me is, is amazing. And so he says, to present your bodies, find where I am, as a living sacrifice. And I put, I made some fairly good notes on this, but I gotta find them. <laughs> Here we go. So he makes his appeal, your version might say beseech or I urge you. And he says, therefore, he ties it to the scriptures we've already looked at and what I've brought to you, he says, brothers, he says, by the mercies of God and present your bodies, not a, you have, how do we normally present ourselves to people when you're meeting somebody? You, you may be dressed up, you normally fix yourself up a little bit, you wanna appear, make a good first impression, you wanna appear a certain way. Uh, especially if it's like a dating prospect or something like that, or if you're going to see a new church, or if you're gonna meet some people, you try to present yourself in a certain way that's acceptable, and you can't do that before God without Jesus. You have to have Jesus. He's the only way to the Father, and so he, wants, he doesn't want you to fix yourself up. He doesn't want you to try to fix the sin in your life like we would probably do, and isn't that how we live? I will start praying more when I get in the word more and I'll start getting in the word more when I feel a deeper conviction from God. I'll do all these different things. And we're, our motivation is performance when it needs to be. You're not fixing yourself. Jesus' work is finished and if, you've, if you have that in your life, it's there for you. And now you need to go before the Father in obedience and in holiness. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, he's made, the only way to him is through him and apart from him is nothing. So he says, present your bodies not out of performance, not out of works, as a living sacrifice, which is, oh man, you think of all the sacrifices everybody gave in the Old Testament, there were an uncountable amount, and how some people gave sacrifices that were unacceptable to God, and they did it out of like a religious duty and all these different motivations that were not, that were not what God was trying to get at. He wants you to present yourself as a sacrifice, but you're not killing yourself per se. You are ridding yourself of the old you. He's doing that work in you. You can be a living sacrifice only if you're dead to yourself. It gets at one main point and that is you are now alive only for Christ. So it's not you anymore. 
you're presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice, and check this out, it is holy and acceptable to God. You and I are not holy without Jesus, and we're not acceptable to God without Jesus, and it's so neat he uses this because they had given all these different all these different sacrifices, and some were unacceptable, some were acceptable by the Lord, but now you and I are giving ourselves to God, and we're acceptable because of God, because of Jesus. And I wonder if you're in a place this morning where you know you haven't been obedient, and you know you haven't presented yourself before the Lord, and in fact, you're probably kind of hiding from the Lord because of a certain lifestyle you're living, and, and that has to go. It doesn't have to go because you need to feel good, it has to go because you have a relationship with Christ and he is gonna, he wants to bring you before him. He wants to grow you in who he is in the Lord. And it is your spiritual worship to do that. You wanna worship the Lord. You wanna sing these wonderful songs. I love the choir. They do so good. They've ministered to me since I was a senior here and in different ways and to all of y'all. But if you wanna join them in true spiritual worship, you have to be focusing on Jesus and it has to go before the things you did this week that you think made God happy. It's gotta be Jesus and then you can worship him. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then in verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't fall into these different things that the world is doing like upholding the law that you don't have to uphold anymore or performing for God, Jesus is doing that work in you. So here's, a, here's some great things that go along with this of what we need to do. In uh, Peter, in the first Peter, chapter two, verses one through five, this is what he says. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, Kind Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God, which is what we were in Romans, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, offering, and here's those sacrifices we talked about, a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's all through Jesus Christ. And then Peter gets at what we need to be doing as well. And I think I actually gave this one to Craig. First Peter 1, 13 to 16 says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. There's our call there. To not, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as, you who, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We ask the question probably in different seasons through our whole life and a lot of seniors probably are asking this right now. And you might be asking this according to the senior life, what is God's will for my life? It is that you would be holy, that you would come to him through Jesus Christ and you would grow in that holiness through this process of sanctification. Check out 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, to please God, not to perform for God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, you become more holy. For you know that instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, and here it is, for this is the will of God, your 
sanctification. And then he goes into this amazing list of how to live and what to do and what not to do. And holiness is about that. It's not just about what you're not doing, which we mix up as Christians sometimes. We're like, well, I don't do this. I do not cusp. I don't drink. I don't do all these things. But what do you actually do? That is equally as important as what you're not doing because a lot of the times what you are doing in your relationship with Jesus is going to drive what you won't do. It's not the other way around when you're just constantly like, well, I won't do that and I won't do that. You have to have that reason behind it and that's Jesus. There's those actions there. So verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. There's that will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when I say the will of God, we, you guys probably already knew he's calling you to be holy and to pursue him um, in obedience. But usually what we'll get to is we'll get to a point in our life where we have to make a decision and we're seeking the Lord and we wanna know what his will would be in that moment. And usually it's between two good things. Hopefully when you're a Christian and your decision is like, go over here and steal this stuff or go over here and pursue the Lord, you're like, yeah, that's the one, that's the will of God. Normally it's not that simple. It's, do I go to this place where the Lord seems to have all these great things prepared or do I go to this place where the Lord also seems to have all these things prepared and that's when we're like, what is your will for me, Lord? And that is great. That is what you're supposed to do. Pursue God in prayer, seek counsel, ask people, uh, weigh the the pros and cons and then go stepping out in faith in holiness. What was Jesus's profession? He was a carpenter. That's not the most spiritual thing I think Jesus could have been. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a shepherd like David. He was a carpenter. So somewhere in there, you do get to pursue certain things that you are passionate about and the Lord has put in you a desire and you can still honor God and be holy before him just like the carpenter Jesus was and our savior Jesus was. Uh, and so I wonder, uh, some of y'all have very interesting professions. I don't even know all of them, but I do know that it is possible to be holy before the Lord, depending on what it is, um, and to pursue Christ in that in obedience. And, and you might need to change a few things. Here's what he says right here. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God? There has to be some testing there and the Lord tests us, but we also need to test some things. We don't wanna just take everything we hear. You don't wanna take everything you hear from me as truth. You wanna pursue that. You wanna test the spirits. You wanna ask different people and, and go through that process there. Oh, I had something really cool to say about renewal. There it is. Renewal. Uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. You think about your walk with the Lord and how when it first kicked off, I, I hope that it was as amazing as it probably normally is for everyone whose relationship starts with the Lord. It's wild. Mine, I was like growing up learning these different things from the Lord and I realized a moment where he was calling me to greater obedience and devotion to him and that was when I realized that, when he revealed it to me. Uh, and for you, you might have started that relationship with the Lord and you have some interruptions. Maybe that interruption is you do not want to give your life to him in the sense that you don't want to be obedient and you don't want to become more holy because you want to live the way you want to live. And I get that, we all do. But if you want to pursue Christ and you want to be in a right standing with Christ, it's through Jesus and you will be obedient to him because of what he's done for you. And Paul's appealing to us in that way. 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what do we do? What, do we, what steps do we take to get to this point, to discern the will of God, to become more and more like him? There are steps to take. Students, there are steps to take. Adults, there are steps to take. I, I was debating beforehand what, I was gonna, what language I was gonna use. Do I say young and old people? Because that doesn't sound... That doesn't sound very flattering. Do I say adults? Because that's kind of boring. I don't know. But anyone out there right now, there are steps to take. There are a lot of steps to take, and I'm going to share some of those to you because we've got we've to do them. And we've got to do them not out of obligation, not out of performance, but out of love for God. And I will find these steps. You just you hang on one second. All right, here we go. And the, you might be a little mad at me, because this is the part that you already know, you for sure already know. If you didn't know the other stuff, you for sure know this, and you've probably been, been told to do it before, you felt conviction to do it before. It is time to step out in obedience and do it before the Lord because it is pleasing and it is acceptable to him. Here they are, the things you might already know, but you need to know again. He gives us ways to do that. He makes it possible for you to develop this lifestyle of worshiping him. It's not all dependent on you, although there are steps you need to take. Uh, you need to get into the word. The word has to be the first thing you get into, the last thing you get into, maybe sometimes in the middle. It can't, if you wanna grow in the Lord and you wanna be obedient to him and you wanna become more and more holy through Jesus Christ, you can't just depend on Sunday mornings. As much as I wish you could, that would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? You've got to be in the word all the time. The word has to become a primary part of your life so you can even test anything. Uh, and if it's not, if it's not, you're going to go another direction and your relationship with the Lord is going to have some struggles. But isn't he amazing and faithful and just to forgive us and bring us right back to a point where we can choose to start getting into the word. That is so awesome. What a gracious God. We've got to get into the word. You know this next one. You've got to pray. You have got to communicate with Jesus and then you've got to listen to his response through the word of Christ. Those go hand in hand. And you've got to pray often, not just in a group, in a group, but by yourself, with friends, with family, with people you don't like, people you do like. You've got to pray all the time. And you need to go to church. This is part of it. Don't, for, don't forsake the fellowship of believers as is the habit of some. Be here so you can hear people like me say stuff like this and you're hopefully encouraged to be obedient and holy in the Lord. And you get to fellowship with believers. This is a great time. When I was growing up, I was homeschooled, and this was the biggest social activity of the entire week. And it was amazing. I loved it. People were dressing up, but they were dressing up in different ways. There were different standards of what dress up was. Um, and I would just go, and I'd see all these smiling people, and I really, really hoped, and I think it is, that those smiles were authentic that they weren't faking it for anyone. And maybe you do need to share some stuff with your friends that you haven't really been telling what's going on. Uh, you've got to seek counsel. And I mean this including discipleship. You need to go, if your life is not you discipling someone younger and you being discipled by someone older, you're doing something wrong. If you're not seeking counsel for decisions, if you're not presenting all these different things to the Lord covered in prayer, you need to change your life to do that. I'll put it this way. If your schedule is driving your spiritual life with God, it's got to be flipped. It's wrong. Your schedule's wrong. Your life with God, your relationship to him, your time in the word, your time in prayer has to go before that. And, and we don't think that way, do we? We think, 
I need to do these things to have this job, to make this happen. And maybe sometimes you have to do that, but this has to come before that. All right, if I'm gonna get this job, this is when I'm getting up to be in the word. This is the time I'm gonna spend in prayer. This is what my schedule is gonna become because God is more important than this thing he's provided for me. And don't mix those up. I did that once. I was worshiping, I was a lead student intern worship person at the church I was at last. And I did it so often and all the time that it became my lifestyle way more than my devotion to Christ did. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. How do you worship God and you're not putting him before everything else? It's very simple. It's I got captivated by the thing he had me doing and you might've done this too in your job. And that thing was more important than my relationship with God one-on-one. That can happen in college. That can happen in high school with sports. That can happen in your job right now. Those things become more important than God is. And that's not what God is calling you to. That's not what Paul is calling us to when he makes this appeal by the beautiful mercies of God to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. So this week, um, not our obligation, take those steps. Grow in the Lord knowing that your sacrifice, your living body to him is acceptable because of Jesus and grow in that, walk in that, dive into the word, seek out discipleship from people, get in community groups, do serve in the church. These are all these must-haves. I mean, if they're not happening, ask yourself why. Why aren't they happening? And then maybe bring that before some friends as well. So bring all this before the Lord in prayer as, as I've had to do. This message changed like 800 times in the last two days. It was great. I thought I had it, and I was like, this, is, this isn't it. I don't Maybe that's it, and I'd go over there. And, I, and at the end of it, just like as I began with it, I had to really pray of what to say. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, and, and Phil and Lori Reddit are gonna be here available as prayer partners after the service. But as you're praying, bring these things before the, law, the Lord. If you need to repent because you've been trusting him as Savior, but you haven't been living like he's your Lord and you're obedient to him, bring that before the Lord. If you... If you need prayer for something, come on up and we'll, I'll come down. We'll pray with you. Phil and Lori Reddit will be up here and we'll pray with you as well. Take this time. This, it doesn't have to be some crazy transformation of your mind. It can be a renewal of your mind that you're not conforming to your old way. It can be a transformation of your mind that you are now committing that to the Lord. You're not getting saved again. You are gonna take these steps in obedience. Let's go. Jesus, we are um, humbled before you, God. I ask as, as everyone's praying that you would show them your mercies, the mercies Paul talks about here, that you would show them your grace in whatever kind of life they've been living or whatever they've been trusting in to save them, that you would uh, cause us to present ourselves before you and you would point out the things that we're not doing and the things that we are doing that you don't want us to be. And you would drive us through your spirit, God, and through this wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ to do those things out of a love for you because you first loved us. We praise you for what you are doing here and I thank you and I ask if anyone is not in a relationship with you at all, that you would continue to move, you would continue to convict, and you would bring them before you, God, your throne of grace, and they would seek someone out to talk to and to ask their questions and to wrestle with it, to open that door that you knock on. 
I ask for the rest of us here that we would grow in our maturity in you and our obedience to you and we would rearrange our schedules to put you first. We would rearrange our lives so that we're in the word more and we know what your will is for us through that word. I thank you for this church and the opportunity to serve here. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen.